What's up, Coastal? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing well? And, and listen, if you're watching online right now, we have some of our Dream Team here with us this weekend. Dream Team, can you give it up for everybody that is watching at home online this weekend? Man, we are so pumped that you guys are joining us online and in person for this weekend. We believe that God is going to speak to you in some incredible ways. And by the way, happy Father's Day weekend to all the dads that are out there. Man, we appreciate you. We love you. I hope you guys are enjoying some of the things that we're doing in pre-show for you dads, and hopefully some of you dads will take home some prizes that we're giving away on the post-show that you uh, will register for right now during this service by liking our YouTube channel or whatever it is so you can participate in that. But anyways, this weekend we have been in a series called Freeway, and we are getting ready to end this series this weekend. And if you're just joining us for the first time, we've been in this series talking about how do we live this life of freedom that God has so intended for each and every one of us to live. And over the last five weeks, we've been walking through a step-by-step process of some things that we need to do in order to live a life of freedom. And we said in the first week that uh, to live in freedom, number one, we, we have to live with awareness. We have to get to this point where we realize in our life that we are a mess, but we are God's mess. And uh, God wants to move in our life. God wants us to recognize the messes, but that God wants wants to take that mess and do something absolutely and incredible and beautiful with it. Then week two, we talked about discovery as we start to dive into our mess, realizing that there are some some deep and some dark places that every single one of us have in life and that we have to get in the middle of those messes and we have to be willing to really analyze and look at those things and and not just go, hey, I want to keep those in the dark, but I actually want to dive into the middle of those things and take discovery of every single one of those things. Then in the third week, we talked about this idea of ownership, where we said that things that have happened in our lives may not be our fault, but it is our responsibility. It's our responsibility of how we're going to respond, how we're going to react, how we're going to move forward from that situation. And every one of us can have and take ownership in every single one of our lives. And then the the fourth week, we talked about this idea of forgiveness. And we said the pathway or the doorway to freedom happens through forgiveness. It's, It's not just forgiving other people, but it's also forgiving yourself, which I think honestly is probably the hardest thing for all of us to do, is to let go of the things where we screwed up, where we messed up, or we allowed some things to happen in our lives. And and we talked about the fact that we don't forgive so that we free other people, we forgive so that we can be free, so that we can walk and live in freedom. And then last week we talked about this idea of acceptance, and it was all about the fact that so many times in life we, we pick the path of trying to please God by working on our sin. And if I just manage my sin more and more, then I will earn God lo- God's love in my life. But we talked about the fact that what God is asking us to do is not try to please him, but to start to trust him. And that as we begin to trust him in life, as we begin to go, God, you know what? I know that I'm a mess, but I'm going to trust you with my mess, and I'm just going to follow you. Then all of a sudden, as we start trusting God, we all of a sudden start to realize that God is extremely, extremely pleased in our life, which leads us to this week, which is all about this idea of freedom. And uh, you know, what's really interesting about this, this whole 
process here is that so many times in life, what we do is we look at this and we make this a checklist. We go, okay, I'm gonna do these things, check, 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 check. Then I should be in freedom for the rest of my life. I should never have any troubles. I should never have any worries because I did this. And so many times we go, well, I've checked off awareness. I'm aware of everything. I've looked at things in my life, so I've discovered them. And, and we do those things and we think, man, we should just arrive. But this is not like a checklist to check off or, or just a system to walk through. This is a process that we're gonna to have to jump back into all throughout our lives if we want to really truly live in freedom. And, and honestly, it's normal for us as Christians to take something like life that is organic and messy and try to put a system to it. If I do one, two, three, then everything should be good. Anybody else ever try to do that? Like if I do one, two, three, then everything should be perfect. Everything should be right. If I go to school, I get good grades. I go to college. I get out of college. I'll get a good job. I'll get married. I'll have kids. Uh, and then they'll grow up. I'll be successful. They'll be successful. They'll get married. We'll have grandchildren. Everything will be perfect. We'll never argue. We'll never fight. Nobody will have any problems. We'll never have financial issues. We'll always be in love, right? We follow the steps. How many people's lives have actually worked out? Very, if you raise your hand right now, we might beat you up, okay? So like, if you're at home right now and you just raised your hand, we, like God bless you, you're special. But for most of us, that is not our reality. We, we have to go through this. And uh, freedom is not this process that is to be perfected, it is this gift that God has freely given to us that we have to experience on a daily basis that we have to walk out and we have to live. And today we're gonna look at the reality of the fact that many of us through this freeway process and through our connect groups have begun to experience freedom in so many aspects of our lives. And we're gonna have to like continually go back and, and walk through some of these steps uh, to continue to walk in freedom, not just for today, but for tomorrow and for the rest of your lives. But the ultimate reality of freedom is, is that you realize that you were not just made free so you could be free, but so that you could bring freedom to other people's lives. In fact, I, I, I kind of wrote it down like this. I believe that you were rescued to be a rescuer. God's intent for your freedom is, is he has rescued you from what has held you in bondage, not so that you could just be free, so that now you can go and help other people get out of their bondage. That's what true freedom ends up doing in your life. And, and, and it wasn't just so you could experience a relationship with him, it's so that you could bring other people with you on the path of experiencing freedom. And if you want to know what God's plan for your life is, so many people go, hey, I, I want to know what God wants me to do with my life and how he wants to use my life. Here's what I know God wants you to do with your life. He wants to rescue you so you could be a rescuer, so that you could free other people in life. And, and here's what I know is that when I say that, whether you're sitting here in this room or you're watching online, you're, you're naturally going to push back a little bit because you're going to go, but TJ, you don't know what, what my story is. 
You don't know the brokenness that's happened to me. You don't know the abuse that I've experienced. You don't know the addiction that I've struggled with for decades upon decades upon decades. And, 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 and if you knew that, then you would know that I, I don't have any right to help rescue anybody else or I don't have a story that God can use. And, but here's what I know is that what if God wants to leverage your past to help other people find freedom in their present? What if all of that pain and all of that experience that you've been through that you don't want to bring out into the open is the thing that God actually wants to utilize to bring freedom to other people's lives? In fact, there's this amazing quote uh, by a guy named Brendan Manning. In fact, I'm going to put it up here. He says this, in a futile attempt to erase our past, which is what most of us try to do, right? We try to erase our past. We try to hide our past. We try to negate our past. He said, in a futile attempt to erase our past, we deprive the community of our healing gift. If we conceal our wounds out of fear and shame, our inner darkness can neither be illuminated nor become a light for others. But when we live as forgiven men and women, we join the wounded healers and draw close to Jesus. That right there is beautiful stuff. There's something beautiful about being broken and realizing that in your brokenness, you could be this wounded healer for other people. There's something beautiful about the fact that God can take the darkest thing and shine his prism of light through it and change everything for everyone around them. And I think that our compulsion and our desire to erase our past, to correct our mistakes, to whitewash our stories actually hinders us from helping other people experience the freedom and the life that we have experienced. Because we live in a day and an age where we have to present a more perfect version of ourselves to everyone, don't we? Think about an Instagram. What do you have? You have filters to take away wrinkles, ladies. I have filters to make me skinnier. You know, it's like, right? Like I, we all put all these filters, we all put all of these things on there to make a more perfect version of ourselves. Why? Because we want to present that to the world rather than the reality of our real life. And what if your uniqueness of your story actually is the qualifier for how God wants to use you to impact other people's stories? What if your brokenness is the thing that God wants to use to help other people experience the life that you're experiencing? And so today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in John chapter 4. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, if you want to uh, follow along online through the Version app or whatever it may be, uh, it's, there's this amazing story that Jesus has with this woman that... Uh, God or people around would have never imagined Jesus would have this conversation with. And, and right here, Jesus is starting his public ministry. And one of the gifts that Jesus had is he was really gifted at ticking off religious people. I, I, I kind of follow Jesus in that. I'm really good at ticking off religious people. Uh, I think that's a gift that he and I share together. And so he just ticked off some religious people in life. And uh, he is getting ready to travel from Judea uh, up, up to Galilee and... Uh, 
And so he's getting ready to go on this journey. And typically what would happen in Jesus's time is this journey from Judea to Galilee would be about a three-day journey. In fact, uh, they're gonna throw a map up here just kind of showing you what this journey would look like. Uh, and so here you have Judea where he's at and he is gonna go to Galilee up here. And, and so what would happen typically, this would be about a three-day journey. And, and part of the way that they would journey is, is they would skip Samaria. So can you throw up the other version? So if they were going to take this trip, how they would go is they'd go from Jerusalem, go around Samaria to go up to Judea or to, to wherever that is that they're going, uh, Galilee. And, uh, and so they would actually subvert this area and it would take them about three days to go there because they hated the Samarian people so much. Uh, the Jewish people at the time, there was this... Uh, there was actually this prejudice that they had against these people. The Samarians were half Jewish and half Assyrian. Uh, what happened is when the Babylonians had taken them over, the Assyrians eventually took them over. They intermarried. And so full-blooded Jewish people did, thought less of, of Samaritan people. They actually thought that they had no right to their God, to their land, to their blessing, to their promises. And so they were actually a hated people group in that day. And so as a rabbi, a rabbi would never go through uh, Samaria. He would never be seen in Samaria. He would always go around Samaria. And we're going to pick up this story in John chapter four. And this is what it says, starting in verse one. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground where Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And it says his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. So John wants you to know a couple things here. First of all, what John wants you to, do, to know is that typically a, a Jewish person would have nothing to do with a Samaritan person. They would never go through Samaria. And Jesus goes, man, I, I have to go through Samaria. In fact, another version says, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. It, and this is not a statement of direction that the Bible is making. It's actually a statement of conviction. What he's telling us is divine appointments in life are often a matter of choice, not chance. Some of you need to hear that again. The divine appointments that so many of us are looking for in our lives from God are often a matter of choice, not chance. See, Jesus had this burden in his heart for a specific woman and a specific person in Samaria. And he says, hey, I need to go through there. And so many times what we do in life is we, we cry out to God, and I know I do, and I'm, I'm not going to just go ahead and tell you you do, but I'm going to suspect you do as well, all those that are watching online. I'm going to suspect that what we do is we go, God, use me today. Like when, when, when I go to that restaurant, even though I'm socially distancing, sit somebody near me, a table and a half over that is having a hard time and will turn to me and say, hey, I need answers to life. Or as I'm making phone calls at work, when I call that person to sell them a pool, let them just start crying. 
Let me be the answer to their prayer, right? We just, we just think, man, it, it just, with just some random chance, something will happen, right? But what Jesus is telling us here is that those divine appointments don't happen by chance. They happen by choice. And so many times we spend so much time longing for God to use us instead of making intentional decisions to put ourselves in the right place so it isn't by chance, or it isn't by chance, but it's by choice that we're going to go to that place so there might be a divine opportunity. So I don't know what that looks like for you. So maybe this week when you're going back to work, maybe you're going back to offices for the first time. Instead of grabbing your lunch and going back to your office and shutting the door, maybe you sit in the conference room where everybody can see you so somebody could actually come have a conversation with you. Maybe this week, as you're walking through Publix, you don't just go in a hurry and just run through every aisle just going to get what you can get, but maybe you look around and see who's hurting. And you go, who is my choice here today to make a difference in their life? Maybe, student, you're out there and there's some friends you haven't seen since school stopped and you can go, well, they should just call me. Maybe you make a choice to call them and check up on them and go, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? So many times we leave things to chance rather than allowing and making moments by making choices for divine appointments. Second thing John wants us to know in this story is that Jesus had to go through Samaria, but it wasn't just that he had to go through Samaria. It was the time of day that he had to go through Samaria. He said it was about noon, which is interesting because uh, what it says is that a woman came to the well around noon, the same time that Jesus was there, which if you understand anything about the culture of that day, there were two times of the day that people would go to wells to fill up their water jugs to, to be able to water their animals or have water at their home. It'd be very early in the morning or it'd be very late in the evening when it was getting towards dusk. Why? Because it was in a, a very humid and hot culture. You would probably not go in the middle of the day. Like most of us do not go exercise at noon, right? Why? Because you get dehydrated. The sun is beating you down. It's like the worst time ever because you wear out a whole lot quicker. The only reason you would do that is so that nobody would ever see you running outside. <laughs> You're like, I hope everybody's at work so they don't see me lumbering down the road like a Mack truck. I don't know. That's, that's what me running looks like. <laughs> I don't know what just happened there, but I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> and so and so what's happening here is is this is a specific time there's a woman that is coming at that time which means that she doesn't want to come when the other people are coming which probably indicates that she has a past she has a reputation she's used to whenever she goes around other people they start talking behind her back She's used to the whisper. She's used to the stare. She's used to the people that are dogging her in life. She's made some mistakes. And so what does she do? She takes the path of least resistance. When nobody else is going there, she goes there. And she comes there at noon expecting to see no one, but she encounters Jesus. 
And she encounters Jesus as he's sitting there. And, uh, and what's interesting is no Jewish rabbi would ever address a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. Like that was a big no-no. A, a, a man would not engage in a conversation with a woman. And the hatred that a Jewish person would have towards a Samaritan was so great. And so this conversation, like right here, Jesus is crossing every single barrier that there is. He's crossing a gender barrier. He's crossing a racial barrier. He's crossing a cultural barrier. He's crossing all kinds of barriers. In other words, what he's saying is he's saying, and he's making a declaration that there is nobody that is outside the reach of God's love. And some of us need to hear that today, that, that no matter where you are on the spectrum of life, rich, poor, black, white, uh, uh, doing well, not doing well, educated, not educated, there is not a distance that Jesus won't reach out to to bring you into his love. In verse 9, it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so in other words, what she's going in, she's going, hey, listen, I know the rules and the rules are you don't talk to me. Like the rule is, is like, I'm a woman, you're a man, you're Jewish, I'm Samaritan. Like we don't do this. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to flip the script here. And uh, if you were to understand who you were talking to, you would not just ask, ask me, can I get you a drink? You would ask me for a water that would clench everything that's inside of you. In other words, he's taking the conversation from a physical conversation to a spiritual conversation. He's saying like, listen, there's something deeper in life than what you're looking for currently because we're looking for all physical things, but I've got something so much better than a physical thing for your life. I've got a spiritual thing for your life. And that thirst that you've had in your life that you've been trying to quench for decades, I'm about to answer. And he continues on in verse 15. And he says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. You have said that you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have right now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Like Jesus just lays it all on the table, drops the mic. He's like, you've been getting around and uh, you've been getting around even more. You got around and now you're still getting around. What's up? And I think he's trying to remind all of us in life, not just this woman, but all of us. We're trying to fill this spiritual thirst that every single one of us have with earthly things. Every single day, whether we're trying to fill it through success, a relationship, an accomplishment. A man. A woman. A child. Another accolade. Another pair of shoes. And we think, man, if I could just get that promotion. 
Well, if I was just in that corner office, or if I could just trade this relationship for that relationship, or if I could just have a better marriage, or if I would just find a better friend. And we look to things to provide what only God can satisfy in our hearts and our lives. And here's what I know is you and I, we're around people every single day that are trying to fill our li- their lives with those things. I would submit to you that every day in our lives, we're trying to fill our lives with those things. And we really do think, If I just had a newer, nicer, better looking, more expensive, upgraded, whatever. You can put a name in there. You can put a thing in there. That it will fill the void in my life. But as soon as you get it, you're thirsty all over again. And you need another upgrade. Listen, it's not that any of those things are bad. None of those things that I just listed are bad. But when we start counting on them and relying on them as things to fill our lives, when only God can fill and satisfy our lives, they always become bad. And they always end up leaving us thirsting for more. I mean, this woman has gone through five marriages, and she's thinking, man, this sixth one. <laughs> it's the ticket, right? <laughs> That's, it's, all, it's always the next one. And I love how she responds because she doesn't feel exposed. She's actually super, super free. And this is what she says in verse 25. She says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I'm the one speaking to you. I am he. Since just then, his disciples returned. And check it out. They're shocked to find him talking to a woman. But not a single one dared to ask him, like, what are you doing? (laughs) They weren't like, you're talking to a woman. We're canceling you. We're cancel culture. No, no, no. That's not how they reacted. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. Now, now check this out. This woman went to the well at 12 o'clock to avoid the crowds. And then at 1 o'clock, she's running into town to the crowds. To tell them, hey, you got to check out. Like, listen, my, my pa- I don't even care about my past right now. You got to come check this out. And I'm just here to tell you, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, God can use your biggest failure to be the launching pad 
of your greatest calling. What was her biggest failure up to this point all of a sudden became this catalytic point that changed everything. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing this because one year ago right now, I was on a sabbatical thinking I'm never coming back to ministry because of the tragedies that have happened in my life. One year ago, we had just lost our son in the foster care system that we were in the process of fostering and thought we were going to be able to adopt him. And it was catastrophic to my life. And in that season of just deep pain and deep hurt, God showed me the deepest depths of his love. And he did things in my heart and my life that I could have never, ever done by myself. There was shame and pain that I was carrying that I would have never addressed unless I got in some pain. And here's what I know about all of us. All of us have been through pain. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and maybe you struggle with an eating disorder. And you've been struggling like crazy in this season because, man, the anxiety is high. The pictures are fluid. And you're going back and forth, man, how do I break free of this thing? And you're trying to hide it from everybody else. And maybe God wants to free you from that today and and not just free you from it so you can walk away and never address it again, but so that he could use that story to make an impact in somebody else's story. Maybe you're out there today and you struggled with drinking for a long time and you're free and you don't ever want to go back and relive that part of your life. But there are people with addictions all over the place that are looking for a story of somebody that has overcome. And then maybe he wants to use your story of addiction to help break somebody else's addiction. Maybe you're out there and you've struggled with infertility and after time, after time, after time, after time, after time. And there's a whole bunch of other people that are out there that are struggling right now that need to hear your story of how you continue to, to press forward even in the midst of that pain. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a pornography addiction or an unwanted divorce or a failed marriage or sexual abuse from your past what if God wants to leverage that to help other people and what I've learned in life is that God will use the parts of your story that you're willing to give to him And so many people love coastal because this is a place where everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. And God wants to take every piece of your story, especially the broken pieces. He wants to make something beautiful out of them. And somewhere along the way, we bought in the lie that God only wants to use the perfect parts of our lives, the put together parts of our lives, 
the shiny and the bright parts of our lives, but I believe that God wants to use our mistakes, our failures, our screw-ups, our mess-ups, the broken parts, because that's where his grace is most visible to a world that is hurting and broken. You know what people need to hear more than anything else here today? The reason they need to hear your story is because they need to hear somebody else go, you know what, me too. Oh, man, you struggle with, with an alcohol addiction? You know what? Me too. Oh, you, you, you got a divorce? I'm so sorry. Me too. Why me too? Because all of a sudden it creates a level playing field that God can use the impact of himself in your life to impact somebody else's life. And I love this story because this lady did not wait to be perfected before she went out to the village. She didn't wait for her life to be put back together. She didn't wait to go marry that guy that she was shacking up with right at that moment. She just went and told everybody. And I love how the story ends because she goes and tells everybody, not out of guilt or obligation, but because all of a sudden she had been rescued And now she wants to rescue everybody. In verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. It says, He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. What if God wants to take and leverage your story? So that other men and women, other teenagers, other friends and family can be used, can be transformed through the impact of what God has done in your life. And and I'll put a prayer up here that I think that all of us need to pray. And that's this, dear God, thank you for the gift of freedom found in Jesus. I give you my entire story to to use to help whoever it may be. I don't know who that is for you, but this is what I know is when we start talking about our story, names automatically pop into our life. Like, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this. So-and-so needs to be told. What if we just didn't have that as a thought in our head, but we made that a prayer of our heart? And we said, God, thank you for the gift you've given me of freedom. My story is now your story. God, use my story to impact whoever. Help me to be a wounded healer, shining light into dark places. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you for the gift of freedom that is found in Christ. And we thank you for the amazing gift of your grace that you've given to us and freedom and forgiveness and life and life more abundantly. And God, I love the fact that we can come to you not perfect and not put together, but just how we are. And God, that you don't require perfection. You just require us to be authentic and to be transparent. And so, God, we come to you today and we say that that guilt that we've lived with is not our identity. That shame that is held on to us for so long does not define us. That darkness 
does not have to be the last word, God, that redemption is our story today and rescuing people is our mission in life. And so, God, I pray that today we wouldn't live our life by chance, but we live our life by choice. That every day we would awake and say, God, I'm going to make choices today to put myself in positions to use, to allow you to use my story. My story of freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy and unconditional love. To be a funnel of your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy and unconditional love into other people. God, we love you in this place and we thank you for your gift of freedom. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Coastal, man, we love having you join us this weekend online. We can't wait to see you back next weekend. And don't forget, we're coming back to having in-person services on July 11th and 12th. We're also going to be continuing online. But, man, we want to encourage you to come back. We'll be sending out more information about that in the coming days ahead. We can't wait to worship together with you again in person very, very soon. God bless.